Uh, I don't know how many of you know, but the pastor is big into motorcycles. Did you know that? And I decided I was not going to be outdone by him. (laughs) The pastor is away this week, but we are going to be continuing the series that he began last week on the exhortations to one another or the commands to one another that are found in the New Testament. And if you were here last week, you might recall that the first of those commands, let me see what I'm doing here. Oops. Let's try that again. I got to remember my password. Uh, That the first of those commands was to love one another. And uh, if I'm right, I believe the pastor said there's around 19 of the various one another exhortations or commands that are found in the New Testament. And without a doubt, the foundational command is to love one another. In John chapter 13, at verse 34, it says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. But the question comes up, how exactly are you to love one another? Now, Valentine's Day just passed. And uh, I, I want you to know that my wife got me a Valentine's card. Okay. I didn't get her one. I, I was a bit incapacitated and couldn't get out uh, to get her a card. Um, but for many people, uh, you know, well, the way, the way you show your love to one another is by going out and spending money on cards. That's, of course, what the gift card people want us to believe, right? For me, I'll be truthful with you, I was quite disappointed. Not that she got me a card, but she didn't get me the candy. (laughs) I, I mean, what is Valentine's Day without a box of, you know, candy? Uh, I'm telling you, I have not been getting a whole lot of candy lately. Uh, She's trying to put me on this diet because she says I'm just hanging around the house doing nothing. (laughs) But that brings us back to the question, how do you love one another? Well, the pastor actually gave us the answer to that. He said that love is an action. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. And the pastor shared that verse with us last week. That clearly loving is not accomplished by just saying to somebody, I love you. Talk is cheap. It's easy to say things like, I love you. Ultimately, if we go no further than that, our love is hypocrisy. It is not love in truth. To have love that is in truth means to love in 
deeds. Love is an action. But what actions? What exactly is involved in the doing of love? Well, this week we're going to be taking a look at the second of those one another exhortations. And in this exhortation, we learn how to put love into action. Loving others is accomplished by serving others. Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 and 14 says this. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Indeed, loving others is accomplished through serving others. And so I have a question for you this week. When it comes to your relationship to the church, are you more often often expecting to be served or more often seeking how you can serve? Pause and think about that a second. Is the church the place you come to to be served? Now I think about the different kind of illustrations or metaphors that people have used for the church. One is that, well, the church is like a hospital. You go there to get healed. For others, uh, the church is like a school. You, you go there to learn and be taught. Eh, for some of us, the church is like a restaurant. You go there to be fed. But do you realize that if your conception of the church is that it's like a hospital or it's like a school or it's like a restaurant, that ultimately for you, the church is a place where you are served. But when we think about Galatians chapter 5, when he says, by love serve one another, then we realize that ultimately it is not to be identified as the place where you are served. It is to be identified as the place where you serve. So how well are you doing in, by love, serving one another? Well, I want to motivate you to get involved more in serving in the church than just being served. And to do so, I have several principles that I'd like us to think about this morning. The first principle is this. 
Serving others happens in community. Serving others happens in community. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 again says, You were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but by love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor. Now, when I think about the words one another, and I think about the words neighbor, it leads me to think about community. There is no one another if there is no community. There is no neighbor if there is no neighborhood. Now, is it wrong to think of the church as a hospital, a place you go, a restaurant, a place you go, a school, a place you go? It's not necessarily wrong. It's limited. The church is not simply a place you go. It is a neighborhood in which you live. The church is ultimately a community. Look what Peter has to say. 1 Peter 2, 2 verse 17, he says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood. He's talking about the church. What is the church? It is a brotherhood. It is a sisterhood. It is a family. It is a community. As long as we conceive of the church as only a place to go, we will have a hard time fulfilling the commandment through love, serve one another. The book of Acts gives us a wonderful picture of what the early church was like. This is in Acts chapter 4. The church has been formed for a very short amount of time. And yet it says this about those early believers. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that anything that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. Do you see that this everything in common is ultimately talking about community? They had a communal identity. Now, I am not suggesting by this that we ought to sell all of our possessions, give them to the church, and and just live, you know, uh, in a communal setting. In fact... I don't even believe they did that at this time. I want you to notice that it says that certain things belonged to certain individuals. It says quite clearly, anything that belonged to him. Did individuals have possessions? The answer is yes. But the question is how they conceived of those possessions and how they related those possessions, not simply to themselves as individuals, but to others in community. And so though people had things that belonged to them, they understood 
their responsibility as part of the community to share. One of the things I like about the neighborhood that I live in is how much there's true community in our neighborhood. Uh, You know, some people live in neighborhoods, you never know the names of your next door neighbors. Never see them. Don't even know who they are. But I know all of my neighbors, left, right, across the street. And you know, when I don't have a tool I need, I have no problem at all going over to my next door neighbor and asking if I can borrow his tool. And he has no reticence to say, yes, here, please. Nor does he come to me with any questions or problems. That's community. And my question is, do we have community in the body of Christ at Grace Baptist Church? The church is a community in which we are called to serve one another for the glory of God. Don't think of the church as merely a place you go to. Understand and saturate yourself with the fact that the church is a community. It is a community where we have this wonderful opportunity to serve one another. But there's a second principle. Serving others capitalizes on diverse talents. Serving others capitalizes on diverse talents. First Peter chapter 4, Peter says this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. I enjoy being a support, self-supporting individual. I, and you can ask my wife about that, I rarely ask for help. But you know what? That invariably gets me in trouble. Invariably, well, yeah, it did, okay. Uh, <laughs> none of us have the capacity and all of the skills and the talents and the abilities and the resources to be islands unto ourselves. That's so true in the church. You see, when we understand ourselves as community we immediately are also recognizing the needs that we have one for the other. It is in the diversity of our skills and talents that we ultimately all can have our needs met. But when 
we are saturated with individualism. And this idea of I can do it all by myself. Two things happen. Number one, we never reach our own potential. And secondly, we never help meet the needs of others. When we serve one another, we are capitalizing on the fact that we have all of these wonderful, diverse skills and abilities that we bring to the community to meet one another's needs. Only when we serve with our diverse gifts will all the needs of the community be met. But I have a third principle for you. And it is this. Serving others mimics Christ. Serving others mimics Christ. Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew chapter 20, earlier, uh, just prior to the passage uh, that we're going to take a look at, um, two of the disciples came to the Lord with their mother, and uh, they asked the Lord, can we be one sitting on the right of you and one sitting on the left of you when you come into your kingdom? In other words, all they were asking was to be number two and number three in the kingdom of God. Well, you know what? The other disciples got wind of this And they were not happy. They were very upset at these other two disciples. And the Lord took them aside. And he said to them, look. The rulers and the powerful people and the rich in this world. They walk all over people. So that they can be first. So that they can be great. And then he says these words. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to give his life a ransom for many. You see, as Jesus says to them, what is really necessary in kingdom work is to serve one another. He said, and I am the ultimate example of that to you. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So if we go back to that old adage... And ask the question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? The answer is, Jesus would serve. How many come to the church trying to mimic Jesus Christ? And say, I haven't come here today to be served. I've come here today to serve. The book of Philippians 
the Apostle Paul puts it this way. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but on the interest of others also. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Before Jesus came to this earth, he was the son of God in glory. He sat on a throne at the right hand of the father. He was worshiped and glorified by angels. But he was willing to give it all up. To come to this world And to live as a servant among us. Jesus was not born in a royal palace. Jesus did not wear the glorious, beautiful robes of an emperor. No, he could have. But he set all of that aside to be a servant. The book of Romans puts it this way. We who are strong have an obligation to bear the failings of the weak, not just please ourselves. Let us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those that reproached you fell on me. And that's talking about the fact that Jesus Christ took all of our sins and they were laid upon him on the cross of Calvary. I think back to the night before his death as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane in agony with drops of sweat like blood. And he said, Father, if there's any way Take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. If Jesus had simply pleased himself, there would be no salvation, there would be no forgiveness of sins. There would be no hope of glory. Do you see that Jesus is the ultimate model of one who had everything and yet gave it up to be a servant? When we serve others, what we are doing is mimicking Christ. To follow Christ is to live in service to others and to sacrifice ourselves for the community of faith. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? You cannot be if you are unwilling to serve. Well, as we move on in these principles, the next two principles 
actually talk about the personal benefits of serving others. The first one is kind of a negative kind of benefit, and the next one we'll see is a positive one. Serving others defeats self-centeredness. Serving others defeats self-centeredness. Going back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul said, you're called to freedom, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, I haven't been exactly enslaved for the last four or five weeks, but I haven't been exactly free either. I have been reduced, as Bob Manning said this morning, to 800 square feet in the basement. Okay? And I have been overseen by a wonderful, beautiful taskmaster who won't bring anything from the refrigerator down. But there's a day coming when I will be released from my bondage and I will head for the refrigerator just so that I can fill up my flesh. But you know, that's exactly what we're not supposed to be thinking about. Yes, we are free in Jesus Christ. Free indeed, free indeed. But not so that we can simply fulfill our own fleshly desires. Peter puts it this way. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. The question is, how will you use the freedom that Jesus has given to you? If you live the way you lived before Christ, then you will focus on yourself. You will focus on your flesh. You will focus on your desires and your passions. But if you serve one another, you will defeat that selfish, narcissist, approach to life that we see in this world. There's no better means of overcoming our innate desire to please others than to plunge ourselves into service for others. Well, the second and positive Advantage or benefit to serving others. Serving others leads to greatness. Serving others leads to greatness. Now, if you think like the world, you're saying to yourself, that makes no sense whatsoever. Because the only way you're ever going to become great, the only way you're ever going to be first, is to serve yourself and trample over everything that gets in the way. But going back to Matthew chapter 20, 
the Lord makes this statement. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. The highfalutin term for that is paradox. Two ideas that just don't simply seem to work together. But what is in the world paradoxical is with God the reality and truth. It is only when we serve that we will become great. On another occasion, the disciples were also arguing over the same question, who's the greatest, who's the greatest? We all know, especially from the commercials on TV lately, that it's Muhammad Ali, <laughs> correct? And you can have that greatness if you just use your iPhone and take selfies. I don't know if you've seen those commercials, all right? Uh, well, listen to the words of Jesus. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? They kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant to all. This past week, we lost a spiritual giant in America, Billy Graham. Billy Graham, on his tombstone, I don't know if you heard this or not, but it has one word. You know what that word is? Preacher. Preacher. Nothing about him conquering nations. Nothing about him Being first, preacher, and a preacher is a servant. Even the non-Christian world recognized the greatness of a man that served. In the very same way we so often think of Mother Teresa. A woman that served. These two Christian brother and sister understood Jesus' sayings. They understood that if you want to be first, you have to be last and servant of all. If you want to be great, you've got to be a slave. I tell you, if you want to truly be remembered by people and by God, and if you truly want to get that first place with God, then serve one another. And I just messed myself up here. Where am I? Okay. Greatness is not defined by how high up the ladder you go. I figured that one out. (laughs) 
but how low you're willing to go to serve others. Well, there's one more point, and I'm going to hit it quickly. Serving others is serving Christ. Serving others is serving Christ. The Lord, the week before he was crucified, talked a lot about the future, the future of Jerusalem, the future of the kingdom of God, and talked to his disciples about his own return, not as a servant, not as a savior, but as a king and as a judge. And he talked about the fact that when he came back again, he was going to separate the sheep from the goats, the true believers from those that were not, and those that were go to eternal life, he'd put on the right, and those that would not, he would put on the left. Let me pick it up in Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, inherit the kingdom. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you in prison and sick and visit you? Then the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, You did it to me. Every act of kindness, every service to God's people is an act of service to Christ. And might I turn that around and say, every time we fail to act in service, every time we focus on ourselves, it is not that we are simply failing one another. We are failing Christ. Loving others is accomplished by serving others. So my question for you today is, how will you serve the community of faith this week? How will you serve Do you see the church not as a place to go to be served, but as an opportunity to serve in community? Do you understand that you, whatever kind of gift it is, have something to share to meet the needs of this community? Do you understand that to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ is to mimic his servanthood? 
do you realize that the only way you will overcome your own self-centeredness is to dive in and start serving others? Do you understand that to serve one another is to serve Jesus Christ? Through love, let us serve one another. Would you pray with me? Father God, we confess that we are so consumer-driven. We confess that we're so often more concerned about being served than serving. And we confess that we too often see the church as a place to come to get something rather than a place to come to share something in community with one another. Oh, Father, I pray that you will accept our confession and stimulate us and encourage us this week to be involved in the church as a community of faith where people are serving one another for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.